thank you so much. And Brett, I'll let you come. All righty. Yeah, if you would, please. Thank you. Well, I don't know how I can follow that. So just, it's the hardest thing in the world to follow good news like that. Uh, we've got a little bit of time. Uh, we are in, currently in the middle of, well, I say in the middle, we're almost at the end of a series on marriage called How to Live For Rather Than Just With Your Spouse. We're going to finish that next Wednesday. There's just a lot of information that I want to share with you next, uh, and I didn't want to abbreviate it. So we're going to finish that marriage series next weekend. Just a word of warning, it's on sex, okay? So I just... You just need to know that. Don't bring your kids, you know. Uh, if you get embarrassed, we'll turn the lights down so no one can see your face or something. But we're going to have a really clear, pointed discussion about sex. And so didn't want to shortchange that one, so we're going to move that to next week. And uh, so I want to share something with you I've been thinking about. Have you ever said, you know, sometimes I just don't feel like I know who I am. Anybody willing to say that? Okay. Well, most people that I hear, most people that come into my office say, I just wish I could figure out who am I? Who am I? And it's a common complaint. People feel like if they could just figure out definitively who they are, then their life would be better. So they constantly ask this question. The question went away. Let's try it this way. There it is. There it is. I was beginning to wonder who I am right now. Who am I? So they ask this question. It's an age-old question. There are personality inventories out there. There are gifts inventories, spiritual gifts inventories. There's a host of books. There's Enneagrams. There's just all kinds of stuff that supposedly will help us answer this question, who am I? But I've noticed something really, really interesting and here's what I've noticed. Usually, it's older people who tend to ask that question, who am I? Usually, older people are asking. Here's what younger people ask. They ask what questions? They ask what questions? Questions like, what school should I attend to? Or what career should I pursue? Or should I take this transfer? Or what, is it, what am I looking for to relate? They look for what questions? When you get older, like me, you tend to ask more about the who am I questions than the what questions. Younger people rarely ask the question, who am I? What do you think that is? This is the part where you talk, okay? What do you think it is? Yes. They're too busy with the what. Yeah, they're too busy trying to figure out the what. Any other ideas? There's a lot of what questions to figure out when you're younger. But they tend to feel pretty confident about who they are. They tend to feel pretty confident about who they are. It's us who are older who seem to struggle with answering the question, who am I? Now, I find this interesting because people who are older have had more time to experience and answer this question. I've had 63 years to try to figure out who I am, and I'm a late-to-the-party kind of guy. I didn't know what I was supposed to do with my life until I was in my mid-30s. 
and, and it, it, it kind of upended everything. I'm just a late to the party guy. So those of us that are older, we should have that question figured out. So why is it that as we get older, the question, who am I, gets harder to answer? Any ideas? Because either you're younger or you're older, but you're going to fit in here sooner or later somewhere. Why is it when we get older that it's a little harder to answer that who am I question? Pardon? You forget a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Yes. Exactly. You've, been, you've done so many things that when those things are gone, you don't know who you are. You know. That's a really important question for married couples, too, because if you're not careful when your kids leave home, and they will leave home, and you will be glad for that, too, actually, by the way. Uh, you know, I used to hear all these terrible stories about how hard Empty Nest was. I did not have that problem at all. Uh, but when it happens, if you haven't figured some of these things out, you don't know who you are once they leave. Somebody. Had... Yes, yes. And some people, that's why some people don't do retirement well. Um, you know, or, or when, it, let's say, something I've experienced is that as you get older, the mantle gets passed. And so as the mantle gets passed, you don't have those things that you used to have, the things you used to do, the things you used to center yourself on, things that used to consume your time and energy. And when those are gone, you go, what purpose do I serve? So that's some of that, too. I think when we get older, here's what happens. We confuse the two questions. We confuse the question, who am I, versus what am I supposed to do? When you confuse those questions, it's a problem. Uh, the older we get, the more we want to make our mark in the world, right? The more we want to accomplish something great. The more we want to be known for something big. The, and consequently, we turn our attention to the what. We turn our question to what we should be doing to make the biggest impact. We all want to do that. I mean, when you get married, you want to have a great marriage, and then you want to have a better house, and then you want to do a better job in your career and move up the ladder, and then you want to get a different car. And, and we all have these ideas about what am I supposed to be doing? And so who am I gets replaced with what am I supposed to be doing? But here's what happens when you get older. And I'm not just preaching to the older choir this evening. I'm preaching to the younger choir specifically because I'm telling you, here's what happens. As you get older, you begin to realize, I'm not going to land that position I wanted. Or I'm not going to write that book I planned to write. Or 
I won't be that viral media sensation that I thought I was going to be, or, or we won't, or I won't do this, or I won't do that, or I won't reach this level. I won't have this position. The older you get, the more you realize that the bar you had set here, you're probably going to hit here. And that can be really hard. That's what happens in midlife crisis. That's why people in midlife crisis go out and buy sports cars. I'm not wealthy enough to do that. So when I hit midlife crisis, I just get a different haircut. You know, it's all I can afford. But you start to realize that some things I thought were going to happen might not happen. And then you just kind of slowly resign yourself to not achieving what you'd hoped for. It sounds really depressing, but it's normal. It's natural. It happens. Your life begins to drift. You lose a sense of purpose and a sense of drive because you've confused these two questions. Rather than shooting the rapids of life, you wind up floating aimlessly down the river until you reach some end with lots of regrets and little satisfaction. I am so depressed as even I'm saying this. We don't know who we are, and it's all because we focused on the wrong question. You have to focus, you have to change your question. And the question is not, what am I supposed to be doing? And the question is not, believe it or not, who am I? You've got to change the question. If you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers. I told you in one of the sessions we had a few weeks ago, I had a daughter, bless her heart, she turns 40 here this month which means I had her really, really young. That's what that means. Uh, and she was the kind of girl, if you didn't ask the right question, you would not get the answer that you needed to get. Right? Questions like, how'd you do on that test? Did fine. It's not the question you ask. You ask, what was the grade on the new test? And then you find out her definition of fine is like a 65. You've got to ask the right questions. You know, you're not going to go see that guy tonight, are you? You're not, like, going to meet up with him. No. The question is, are you going to be anywhere tonight where you might run into him? Got to ask the right questions, right? So we have to change our questions. I was recently reading a book by Simon Sinek. Some of you may know him. He's a very popular author. You've probably seen some of his YouTube videos. Uh, there's a very great book called Start With Why. Start With Why. And it dawned on me that the key to living a meaningful and purposeful life is to shift from who am I, to change the question from who am I to why am I. That changes everything. Why am I changes everything. It's a much better question to ask. Why do you think why am I is better to ask than who am I? And I know this is all very philosophical, but it's going to sink in. Pardon? Purpose. Exactly. Exactly. You, you stole my thunder. Why am I is about purpose. You know, if you don't live on purpose, your life winds up being kind of meaningless and empty. I mean, you may not write that great novel. You may not be the next Mark Zuckerberg. But if you live life on purpose, it won't make any difference. 
it won't make any difference. If you live your life on purpose, if you live for why am I, when you get to the end, you will look back and go, you know what, it's all right. I'm okay with that. I, I, as many of you know, I used to be a hospice chaplain, so I've sat with a lot of people who were stepping out into eternity. And we've had some great conversations. And, uh, and I've heard so many people who were at peace say, you know what, there's a lot of things I wanted to do that I didn't get to do. But it's okay. It was good. These are people that were living with the why, who are living on purpose. Why else is that question important? The why am I? Why would that be more important than who am I? Yeah. You, it, the why am I is, you know, it's as simple as why am I taking up space? Why in the world did God plant me here? If you stop and think about it, from Adam and Eve, how many infinite number of computations of genetical combinations had to take place from Adam and Eve to get you to be you here now in this moment. And God, according to Psalm 139, has prescribed us before we were conceived. You know when he prescribed us? You know when he decided who and how we were to be? Before he made Adam and Eve. Before the foundations of the world, it says, God prescribed you. Which means he already had the genetic code figured out from Adam and Eve all the way to here. That's purposeful. And it doesn't make any difference what you're doing, what job you're in, who you're married to, who you're not married to, whether your kids are stellar or whether they're difficult. That's purposeful. That's why that's important. Let me show you another reason why the question, why am I, is important. Because it's not as restrictive. It's not as restrictive. If you're answering questions like, what am I supposed to be doing? And you decide, I'm supposed to be a nurse. What happens when you can't be a nurse anymore? I mean, if, if you decide, what am I supposed to be doing? I am supposed to, to be the CEO of this company. And let's say you make it. But what happens when your days are over there? Then who are you? If you answer the question, who am I, based upon what am I supposed to be doing, then you have a really narrow track. And if anything bumps that track off, then you don't know who you are. You've, you've lost everything. I was out here wiping tables earlier, and somebody said, well, you don't have to do that, I'll do that. And I told him, no, it's really good for me to do this because you should always have a career to fall back on. If they lock my door, I need something to do, right? The idea is if my identity, if my purpose is connected to the specific thing I do and something happens to that thing, it's over, it's game over. And we of all people, we as believers of, of, of the creator of the universe, it should never be game over for us. You know, I don't care whether you're a mom up to your kneecaps in children and you haven't talked to a real live adult beside your spouse for six months. It is not over for you when you have a why am I answer. 
answer. When you know that, why am I? It's not restricted. That means your life can take a bunch of different paths. I'll give you a for instance. I was, I was working with a, a clinical consultant one time, and they challenged me, write a purpose statement for your life. Some of you may have done that. And I thought, no sweat, easy. It's the hardest thing in the world. You ever tried to write a purpose statement that doesn't tie you into something directly? And so, I think I've revised it since then, but at that time, my purpose statement was to make a positive impact on individuals and marriages. Okay, now here's, here's the deal about that purpose statement. I can do that through counseling. I can do that through teaching. I can do that through being a good neighbor. There's a million ways I can do that why am I here statement. So I'm not locked into one thing. We have a lot of great communicators uh, around here. I mean, young, gifted leaders and communicators. And because we have such a large stable of them, I don't preach as much. They get to preach more, and they should, because I'm an old man, and why invest in somebody that's going to be out of here before long, right? Uh, but if my purpose is tied up in that, then I just lost it. This is why this is important. Because if you have a why am I, it doesn't make any difference how you complete it. It doesn't make any difference whether you're young or old. It doesn't make any difference where you live. You're not restricted by anything if you have a why am I answer instead of a who am I. Because if you have a who am I, you're constantly getting older. Whether you like it or not, you're constantly getting older. And I told somebody last week, I sit down on the edge of this right here. I said, you know, I remember a time when I could just jump down there and I can't do that anymore, you know, without breaking a hip or something like that, you know, embarrassing myself. As you get older, things change. And so who are you constantly changes physically, mentally, even your theology as time goes on begins to shift and change as you grow in the Lord, as you grow in his word. And so you can't tie yourself to that without getting disappointed. And you can't tie yourself to the what am I supposed to be doing because that won't always be there. That will change too. Why am I is a much better example. For instance, if this is how this works. If who I am as a school teacher and I lose my teaching position, then I'm adrift. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. At least until I acquire another teaching position. But... If why I am is to inspire people to learn and to love learning, then I can carry out that purpose anywhere, anytime, in any position. That's what you have to find in life. And, and I know we're in church, but I'm not going to take the answer, well, I'm supposed to follow Jesus. Yeah, but how? Why? Why did he put you here? Why didn't he put you in Uganda somewhere? Why are you here? Why are you in your job right now? Why are you raising these children? Why are you here? This is what's so important. Because when you focus on the why you are, then even if everything changes, it doesn't change your purpose. This is what Jesus did. Jesus was intently focused on why he was here. 
you know. He said, I have come to save the lost. That was it. That was why he was here. It was one purpose. Nothing shook him from that. Did he do a lot of different things? Absolutely. Was he called by a lot of different titles? Absolutely. But he had one why. And he was laser focused on that why. It's why one of the passages of scripture says he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. Not because Jerusalem was the happening place to be, because he had a why. And I fear that we of all people wonder aimlessly when we should have a why more than anyone else. We need to change our question from who am I to why am I? Okay, tell me what you think about this. I'll, I'll wrap this up in just a second. I'll even let you out a little early. But tell me what you think about this. Wake up. Can your why define your who? It can, actually. But if your who defines your why, that's when you're in trouble. If who you are defines why you are, that's a problem. For instance, let's say I really mess up and I'm incarcerated and I'm in prison. That's who I am now. I'm a prisoner. Defines my why, I've messed myself up. Same way with what am I supposed to be doing. If that defines your why, why has to come first. This book by Simon Sinek, I really encourage you to read. It's not a Christian book, but I really encourage you to read it because his point is what happens so often times is you have, and he uses companies as example, and he compares Apple to like compact computers. And the, the companies that have their why firmly in place, they don't veer off from their why, are still here. And the companies that start with what they do fade. What does Warren do? We do a ton of things. But that's not why we're here. We're not here to do children's ministry. Although we do children's ministry, and lots of it. We are not here to just do preaching and carry out worship services. Although we do tons of that. We are not here for those things. Those are the what. But the what doesn't drive our why. The why drives our what. Everything we do is driven by our why. To make disciples and multiply disciple makers. Everything is driven by that. That's what made the Apostle Paul so powerful in Scripture. Because he was set on his why and nothing could bump him from his why. And that's why most of the, a lot of the letters that Paul wrote, a lot of the New Testament was written in prison. Not even being thrown in a dark, dank hole in the ground could stop him from his why. That's the power of why. We live off the power of what, which is very weak. So we have to shift to why. What else are you hearing in all of this? Tell me what you think. You're 84? I'm just teasing. You look like 26. As you get older, she's saying as you get older, you, you wonder, what do you want me to do? But you hear what you said right after that? What do you want me to do? Why am I here? That's a more important question than what. I hear so many 
people. I hear my mom say this. She's 90. She can't get out and come to church. She can't go places. She has to, you know, we have to pick her up. And she says, sometimes she'll say, what am I good for? I mean, I'm just stuck here in this place. What do I do? I mean, that's a what. I can't do anything. I can't do the things I used to. I can't do the things I want to. So what good am I? You need a why. You always need a why that is not bound by space or time or conditions or circumstances or anything else. That's why that it is so important. Someone else. Do you Yeah. Right. He said he thinks God has a purpose for all of us that were here. And I agree with that. Only I would add this addendum. I think he has more than one. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It wasn't singular. It was plural. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you know what he, where he, the, the context for him telling the people that? They were in Babylonian captivity. And they wanted out. And God said, nope, settle in. You're going to be here for a while. Build houses. Get used to it. This is where you're going to be. And then he followed it up with, but I know the plans I have for you. So multiple plans because when you know why you are who you are, then your plans can shift and change as God changes them. God will change your plans. I, I mean, he will just change your plans just to have some fun with you, I believe. You know? I have had almost every reason for me being here is because my plans got changed. Almost every reason. I am here not by my choosing or my planning. It's God changed my plans. So that's why you got to have the why because God will change your plans. All right, anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, yes, it's easier to set home. But, you know, there's people that would rather have a telephone call mm -hmm. or cook meals or, you know, whatever. You have to be willing to be open. Yes, you've got to be willing to be open. That's a good point. My mom will sometimes say, well, I haven't heard from such and such in a long time. And I'll say, is your phone broken? No. You know the phone works the other way, too, don't you? Nothing hinders it. We're in an age in which we have the least amount of restriction and hindering than anything. Matter of fact, I'm hoping in a few years, by the time my kids take away the keys to my car, they'll have driverless cars. So even then, I won't be restricted, right? <laughs> you know, I can just get in, tell it where I want to go, and, and then I, the kids don't have to worry about me, right? Uh, we live in, a in an age where we have very few restrictions, and yet we always come up with reasons why we can't. But often that's because it's connected to who we are or what we think we should be doing rather than why we are. Your answer to who am I may change, but your answer to why am I will remain 
a beacon. It'll guide you clearly. You'll find that in the Word. And, and your why I am here may, will be different than somebody else who's searching the Word. That's why you can't let somebody else search the Word for you. You have to do that. Listen to what Nietzsche said. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. That is a great quote. He who has, which is, Jesus lived this quote out. He had a why to live for so he could bear any how, including death on a cross. How could he bear that? Because he had a why. I don't know why I'm so ramped up about this, but, but it is key. To be honest with you, I'm a little hacked at myself for getting to be 63 before I figured this out. And I'll probably be 83 before I figure out how to do it well, probably. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, at least I hope this sends you home thinking. Sometimes we don't think enough. We come to church and we want people to feed us stuff. And, and we don't, I think if we're, I think sometimes we should leave church with a bit of a headache because it's made us think and, and it's stirred us up a little bit and we're not quite sure what to do with it. And so I'm just a little on the masochistic side, so I hope that's what that did to you this evening. Any other questions or statements? All right, we will get to the marriage piece, and we will be talking bluntly about sex next week. Uh, those of you that are older, I expect you to come because we're looking to you for answers. Um, we're calling on you, Judy. I'm calling on you. All right, let's pray together, and I'll get you out of here. Father, I'm grateful for this evening. We are grateful for what we heard in, in the business forum the budget form. Father, we never want to take for granted how much you're blessing us. Uh, just time and time again, when so many businesses and households and churches are, are struggling, you just keep blessing us, and we don't want to take that for granted, and we don't want to be uh, casual stewards of that. We want to do a good job with that. And Father, I ask, I know this has been kind of theoretical, philosophical, a lot of head fodder tonight, but, but I pray that you will help us sort this out in our own life. Don't let us get to be my age until we figure out, why am I? I pray that question will haunt each of us. It, it will just stay pressing against our heads and our hearts. Why am I? Not what am I doing here? What am I supposed to do? Or who am I? But why am I? And it will help us, Father, not only overcome a lot of things that have happened, but overcome a lot of things that will and make a dent in this world for Christ. Pray that you'll see everyone home safely. But I do pray, Father, that you will stir them up with this question, why am I? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. We'll finish out the marriage series next week.